we have to create and hold space for the ones that we love to show up authentically. And you're not always going to agree with them. You might not always like the way they're doing things, but at the heart of it all, are they a kind, good, loving person? And if so, Mm -hmm. that's enough. Welcome to On Your Terms with Erin King, a show about living a life you truly love. Here's Erin. Well, how authentic is too authentic. We've all heard the phrase, just be yourself, be authentic, be real and raw and vulnerable. But then we've also all seen those people who overshare on social media. So what is the line between knowing your audience and showing up fully as you are? Well, good news. Today's episode features my dear friend, Tara Renzi. Tara is an author, emotional intelligence practitioner. She's an entrepreneur, a speaker, a blogger, thought leader, wife, and mama. And her book, Be Who You Came to Be, has changed the lives of thousands of women. After two decades spent in corporate leadership and social selling, ever since she left that to start her own company, she's been training, speaking, coaching, and helping people to live a life they truly desire, the one they envision and ultimately deserve. Tara and I have been on a road show the last couple of months for our client, the Women's Food Service Forum, working with some of the brightest women, female executives from all across the country in the food service industry. And the conversations we've been having have been life-changing. So today's episode is just a little peek of what you can learn from Tara to bring it into your life and be who you came to be. Have a listen. Hello, everyone. Erin King here, and welcome to today's episode of On Your Terms. Today, we are talking to my gal, Tara Renzi, coming to you live from Kansas. What's up, Tara? Hi. Good afternoon. I think it's afternoon here, morning there, whatever. Time zone trivia. Let's go. Well, talking time zones, you and I right now are supposed to be in Orlando, Florida on EST at the Women's Food Service Forum for Roadshow number six. We have been traveling the country together, meeting dynamic women from this powerful industry, having all the fun, making all the impact. And there we were about to be together today in Orlando and a hurricane flew in and made the entire show cancel. And so we had open schedules and thought, well, I miss you. You miss me. Let's content. hundred <laughs> percent. I know. I was like, well, because, you know, I was like, let's go to Disneyland or go walk around. And then I was like, it's going to be raining all day, like a little storm here and there. And then all of a sudden my husband's like, oh yeah, there's a legit hurricane hitting Orlando. I was like, oh, maybe we won't be going. Yeah. Well, I was actually in a couple of days early because our friend Judy Holler had a gig at the same place, the Rosen Center. I got to see her live. She was fabulous, but luckily took the flight out right, I think at the last time before they canceled everything else going out of Orlando and the turbulence was no joke. The winds were howling. It was a legit hurricane. So thrilled that we're both safe and sound, hoping everyone that's in Florida and Orlando is safe and sound as well. But in the meantime, I have just been loving your content. I mean, the last couple of weeks, you've been sharing your Be Who You Came To Be, Living Out Loud, Tara Renzi style, and the gospel that you are preaching, I am here for it. I love the stories that you've been sharing and really just some of the most incredible strategies, really tangible takeaways. And so I just couldn't help but think, gosh, let's bring some Tara to the Success Magazine Network, to the On Your Terms listeners. Because I think right now, this topic of really authenticity is, it's a buzzword, 
everyone's saying it, and yet actually truly being your authentic self online, which you and I have had this conversation when the cameras are not rolling many times. I think it was uh, down in, where were we? We were in Atlanta and we had lunch and we were like, gosh, sometimes it feels like you can't afford to be honest. And so being authentic in a highly charged, polarized digital and real life space, it's never been more challenging. And so how do you think about authenticity and showing up as yourself in a rocky, complex, you know, highly charged online landscape? I mean, what are sort of your parameters and how do you define what that looks like? It is something that everybody talks about, but it's very hard to live by and to truly show up as your authentic, vulnerable self. And it's been a journey for me since I was a, a, you know, a young kid. And how do we show up? What do we like? I was not on the cheerleading squad. I was not a great athlete. I went to band camp every year. I remember sometimes thinking like, am I a cool kid? Am I not a cool kid? Should I be skinnier? Should I have longer hair, shorter hair? And especially as women, you know, we are constantly looking around to see what everybody else is doing and then trying to mold into what we think we should do. Mm -hmm. And it was my grandmother who left this note that has totally transformed my life and is now transforming thousands of women and other professionals' lives, which is be who you came to be. And she actually wrote that note for my infant son. He was one week old. And I remember when I read that, it was so simple, but profound. And it really took my breath away as I was holding this little baby boy and thinking about him and who who did he come to be? Yeah. And then I started thinking, you know, as time passed about who did I come to be? And so Mm. many times we cannot live in our truths of who we are, what we like, how we want to show up because we have the world around us telling us what to do all the time. And so I think for a lot of women specifically, we get to an age, we just stop trying. We just give up and we say, I guess this is it. It's this feeling almost of just exhaustion, right? To try to fit in, to try to be what you think everyone else wants versus just saying like, hey, world, this is me. And for some people, I'm not going to be enough for. For other people, I'm going to be way too much. And then there's going to be my people. And to allow yourself to say, hey, I just want to find my people is a really hard thing, especially in the social media driven world where your content is out there for everyone to see. It's so true. And I was thinking about you actually a couple of weeks ago. I meant to call you and tell you about this. I had a gig and the audience was heavily religious. And what's interesting is that, you know, I actually also have a key quote that I live my life by from my Nana, which is just like reason number 800 million that we were immediate besties because we have so many weird coincidences in common. It's insane. I feel like I've known you for like a hundred years, but you know, my Nana would always tell us we come home from middle school school and bullies are haters. People giving us a hard time and we were feeling insecure. Similar to you, you know, middle school was not my best time either. You know, big, bright, shiny personalities do not win in middle school. Small and same and soft and quiet wins in middle school, sadly, or it did when we were in middle school anyway. I remember coming home and just being like so bullied by all these, you know, for being too much. And Nana always would say, she'd say, love, it is better to be someone's shot of whiskey than everyone's cup of tea. I love that quote so much. And you know, our oh. would have gotten along very, very well. Yeah, they would have. I agree, Tara. And I mean, obviously, I don't know how appropriate it is to discuss whiskey with like a 12-year-old. Whole other conversation that's cultural for our Irish okay, Catholic okay. family. They were you're drinking mi- whiskey too. Yeah, you're Midwest. You get it. So what's interesting is that that's one of the slides in my talk, as you know. And uh, I was at this 
talk and I was going through the slides with the AV guys and they saw the quote from Nana and they go, does that say whiskey? And I go, yeah. He goes, yeah, you got to take that out. And I said, what? And he goes, look, I know I'm like the AV guy, but I'm just letting you know, like I've seen a lot of speakers with this group and certain jokes just don't land with them. It's just, they have different value systems that are very important to them. And if you want to win the audience, you want to win the crowd, take it out. It was this meta moment of, okay, I would rather be someone's shot of whiskey than everyone's cup of tea. There's an AV guy telling me to be... And so I, I was just like, crisis, right? So... I deleted the slide and it went fantastic, you know, standing ovation. But afterwards, when I was having those critical key one-on-one follow-up discussions, Tara, it was absolutely the right call because I think it would have really alienated a lot of people. And so I walked away. I didn't know what the takeaway was. And I know that you are the queen of authenticity and analyzing these types of situations. So was I compromising my authenticity or was I being strategic? Like I've been torn about it ever since. I can't believe I've got to call you and ask you about this, but like, what's your read on how I handled that situation? Should I be disappointed in myself? You know, everything is about know your audience. I tell my kids this all the time. I have teenage boys. I'm like, you guys have to know your audience. And there's certain things that you can say around me, around family, you know, or around your friends, but you're definitely not going to want to take into the classroom. And so I think that was just really great discernment on your standpoint of saying, Hey, I've got to know my audience. And this is one of my favorite one-liners, but the client's always right in that context. And so you just knew your audience and saved it for another day. And you know what? Maybe they're going to start following you and loving you and they'll hear this and love it. And also, I think just love your respect for audience and making sure that no one did buy whiskey. Is there an element of authenticity where you have to just jump in, you have to just shine bright, you have to just go for it. And once you get that feedback, it's almost like then you'll know if it was the right call or not. So, I mean, you never want to fundamentally change who you are and who you came to be to try to mass produce something that everyone will like. You know, I used the example in my keynote of let's music, you know, and I asked the audience, how many of you like country music? 30% raise your hand. How many of you like rap and hip hop? 30% raise your hand. How many of you like jazz? 30% raise your hand. And then I, you know, I say, how many of you guys listen to elevator music and know every musician and nobody raises their hand because elevator music was meant to be in the background, to not be noticed, to not offend anyone, to not, you know, excite anyone. It truly was created for that elevator, right? When everybody's standing in there quietly. And I think for me, that's this whole concept of looking at my content, my creativity as a musician is that I'm not going to be for everyone. And if Garth Brooks tried to write music for the masses, he would never have been the country star that he is. Whether you like Eminem or not, Eminem is a legend because of how he showed up in Black culture as a white rapper and proved himself to be great. And there's people who still can't stand him because they don't like his music. That's okay. Like He's not for everyone. Such good examples. And I can tell you that what you preach, you really do walk your talk. I mean, you are the exact same person on stage as you are backstage, as you are on text message, as you are on this podcast. So you're one of those people who the congruence, the cognitive alignment that you do have, you can feel it. And I think that that's a big thing too, right? Is there is this element of, you know, I talk about like your vibe is your value. And there really is 
an element, I think, of that energy transference where if you were preaching authenticity, but then you were sort of this two-faced Tara, I think people can feel that. I think they can feel when what you are talking about and the life that you're living is out of alignment. Don't you agree? We do. You know, people want to know you for you and not, oh, this is corporate Tara or this is at the house Tara. And I, again, you you are the same person. You have a different audience there where you need to obviously control how you're showing up and what words you're using and, and how you're presenting yourself. But fundamentally, at the heart of it, you are the, the same person. And, you know, I remember um, a friend of mine from college and just uh, amazing human, so, so fun to be around, just a blast. And when we got around his parents, he was a completely different person. Mm. And it really made me sad because I was like, oh my gosh, like your parents don't really know who you are because he felt like he couldn't show up as authentic him around them because they wouldn't like him or they wouldn't like some of the things that he was saying. And, you know, one of the things that I have really tried to do as a parent specifically is honor my children's authenticity. Because I think as a parent, we have these expectations for our our children that we want them to grow up and do certain things or be certain things. And if you've ever been to youth sports, there's this group of parents who are literally living out their childhood dreams of playing football or basketball or baseball (laughs) with their child. And then they're, you know, incredibly disappointed when they don't show up or maybe they don't even like the damn game. So for me, I've realized when I get frustrated with my child for any reason, it's usually because they're not acting like I want them to act or doing what Mm. I want them to do. And so I've really had to say, hey, honor their authenticity, honor their authenticity, give them the space to be who they came to be. Teach them about audiences and respect and all that other kind of stuff. But we have to create and hold space for the ones that we love to show up authentically. And you're not always going to agree with them. You might not always like the way they're doing things. But at the heart of it all, are they a kind, good, loving person? And if so, Mm -hmm. that's enough. Mm. It has me thinking about not just parenting and, and authorizing them to be an authentic child, but that's great advice that you just gave all the way around 360. I mean, how many times are our parents letting us down that maybe they've retired and maybe they've lost their mission, they've lost their way, they've lost their purpose. And you're kind of saying, well, what's the third act going to look like? And they're kind of like, well, this. And part of you is like, well, gosh, I don't want to be just existing at a certain age. Or maybe we have expectations for them or, or, or the role that we want them to play in our children's lives. And maybe they are over present or under present or whatever the, the metric of this barometer that we've invented essentially ourselves is our invisible personal barometer. We're trying to push on somebody else. I mean, it really is unfair. And I think it takes a lot of self awareness and humility to call that out and to recognize it. Also takes a lot of, I think, sort of surrender to be able to sort of let go of these expectations and support them and encourage them, whether it's your parents, your children, your besties, your spouse, your friends and family, to just say, hey, you know, what makes people not want to be themselves is that pushback, is that negative reactions from the people we love the most? Because we want the people that we love 
to love us and to love our choices. And when they don't, it stops us in our tracks. And so I love kind of what you preach in your keynote. I forget the exact line, but you have one part where you talk about treat them the way you'd want to be treated. Give them the support for shining big and bold and authentic and different. And it's a boomerang. Maybe you'll get more of that that you wish you had in your life. It starts with us giving it before we can get it. And anyway, I love that part of your keynote. Stop comparing and start admiring. Because when we find ourselves on social, when we find ourselves comparing ourselves to someone in, in the corporate world, if we're in an office and there's someone who you know has got all of it going on, right? right? They're getting the promotions and they've got this. Or maybe it's a friend who just seems to have her shit together about everything from motherhood to career to everything. And we compare. We compare ourselves constantly. And I had this epiphany that I was like, Tara, stop comparing and start admiring these Mm. people because there's something there that you love. There's something there that you actually respect. And when we compare, we always ignite feelings of inadequacy, of insecurity, usually of self-doubt and self-loathing and sadness. We go into victim mode. We come up with every reason why we aren't doing what we think we should be doing or that, you know, we've got an excuse. We're going to have blame, anything. Admiration versus comparison is a totally different mindset. I mean, when we admire someone, it ignites possibility. It ignites love. It ignites just compassion for who we are and what we can do in our lives. And so... I have really just been mentally fit enough to start flipping that switch in my head. Mm -hmm. Anytime I start seeing something that, why do I love that? Why am I, how do I start admiring this person? It's really been a great mindset shift for me. Most of all, to love other people more and love myself more. Yeah. Oh, it just shines through so much when you're on stage. I mean, and it's so cool because it's contagious. I mean, you are up there speaking your truth, peeling back the layers. You're so genuine and so vulnerable with some of your stories. You're so damn funny. And you can tell it lifts the vibe in the room. And afterwards, all the women are chatting. They're sort of drafting off that self-love, self-support, self-encouragement vibe where you're like, look, I'm up here to share my truth. I'm going to stand in service. I'm going to have a good time. If you want to come with, great. If you don't, not my problem. Best of luck to you. I mean, that is totally your energy on stage. And I love that about you. I think it is so refreshing. Thank you. Because I will tell you, I it, this has been a struggle for me. I think you know yeah. anyone who is in this industry, anyone who has a face that is on stage or on social media, or people are listening, you know, we do compare. And I remember when I first got started in the industry, I took a gig. It was for the Illinois Association of County Officials. It wasn't a great gig. I had to drive there. It didn't pay very well. But I was so eager to get my message out there, and. <laughs> I literally felt like Eminem, back to Eminem. I felt like Eminem in a retirement community. It was, (laughs) it was just borderline tragic. Okay. This whole concept of be who you came to be. And my content was still young. It needed a lot of work. It needed more backbone to it. But I drove home in silence and it was a six hour drive and I didn't turn on the radio. I didn't turn on music. And I just thought about who are you and who you came to be. And it came back to know your audience. This isn't a bad message. This isn't a message that won't change lives. This wasn't the right audience for you. Mm-hmm. You were Eminem at a retirement community. Now, I will tell you that I got a message from a gentleman about six months later. 
he found me on Instagram and he did say, I want you to know that Be Who You Came to Be has fundamentally changed my entire family. We wow. use this to honor each other, their authenticity, to give our children space, to show up as they want to be, and to give my wife the space to, to be who she came to be. It was that moment. And you know, I struggled with my book when I wrote it. I, I kept trying to write the book that I thought I needed to write to gain street cred in the speaking industry. Mm-hmm. I thought I needed a book based in science and it needed to be super corporate looking and it had to have, you know, 10 pages of endnotes because I use I sourced so much great content to validate my message. And I kept trying to write this book and it sucked. It was terrible. Every time I'd write it, I literally I would throw it in the trash and be like, this sucks. This is awful. But the truth was. I was trying to write a book that I wasn't ever meant to write. And then Mm -hmm. finally, when I gave myself permission, write the book you want to write. Write the book exactly how you want to write it. Put the message the way you want it. You want a pretty book with gold foil? Well, that's not a corporate looking book, but that's the book I wanted to write. I wanted it to be pretty. I wanted it to be a book that doubled as a coffee table book so that you could constantly be reminded to be who you came to be. And when I gave myself permission to write the book the way I wanted to write the book with the messages that I wanted exactly how I wanted, it was like the word just flowed right onto the page. It was magical. I always say I'm only human and I struggle with authenticity daily. Well, it's so true. And I love this idea of sort of accommodating your audience with authenticity, accommodating with authenticity. It's this interesting intersection of not just reckless, unintentional, non-strategic, I say and do whatever I want, blah, which will probably get you arrested or at least shunned by your group or something. You're not going to get ahead in life by just showing up and throwing up however you feel. But then there's this other extreme on the other intersection where there are the gals that, you know, we call them like corporate Barbie and they're everything to everyone, but nothing to no one because they're so hyper-focused on their image and their brand and walking the line perfectly and not really revealing too much. And while it's sort of a defensive strategy, it's not an offensive strategy. They don't offend anybody, but do they really move anybody either? So I think that's what you and I have a conversation about pretty much every single week that we speak together is kind of like, how do we help these women in these spaces where it is a landmine of potential flags and wrist slaps and rules and heavily regulated industries is who we're talking to these days and as one of our audiences. And so it is challenging. I mean, what you just said is the core of your message, which was how do we connect with other people? We find the commonality, the empathy, the sympathy, and that is knowing your audience and to say, I don't have to change who I am to, to talk to you. I'm just going to bring the parts of me to this speech to this audience that's going to resonate most. Mm -hmm. And that is what you say. I have learned so much from the pub method, the personal useful brief. Absolutely love it. Use it all the time. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you for saying that. Um, I I appreciate that. That's super nice. It helps me anyway. So I'm thrilled that it's helping you. I'm thrilled that it helps everyone that's, you know, had great impact and results from it. But, um, you know, I think what's, I think one of the things that's interesting about your topic with authenticity is there's so many reasons that we've kind of talked about in this episode about why people are not authentic, what holds them back from truly revealing themselves. And and I think one of the topics that you cover in your keynote that's really kind of an arrow straight to my heart was this perfectionism, this tendency to, if we're authentic and we're real and we're raw, 
it's going to be imperfect or less than or unpolished, or it's going to underserve this greater mission or dream that we have for us and our business. And I was thinking about that part of your keynote the other day. I had a, a talk and of course the slides were due. I'm sure this won't resonate for anybody who's a speaker listening to this, but the slides were due, you know, two weeks before it's two hours before. And oh, here's the slides, right? Because everyone knows the best slide ideas happen the night before because you get to know the audience. Yes. Right? Laying in the hotel bed at 5 a.m. <laughs> totally. Cause until you get boots on the ground and you get the vibe and you feel what they're into, then you all of a sudden think to yourself, Oh, what is that moment? That case study that client that I have in my arsenal that I know for sure when I deliver it to this audience, it's going to light their light bulb. They're going to walk away and really have what they need to make a change. And so it's always that question of like, what's worse, like pissing off the meeting planner because you missed the deadline or ultimately delivering them exactly what they need at the end of the day. So it's always kind of that dance, right? And you and I had this conversation (laughs) for a couple of reasons in the past. But anyway, so at the gig, it's two hours before I give the keynote deck to the AV person. Of course, they're in PowerPoint. Everyone's annoyed. I'm I'm like this last minute speaker. It's unprofessional, blah, blah, blah. But what happened was I realized in talking to them that what would be really authentic would be to share with them this case study from someone that was actually in the audience that I'd worked with. But I didn't get permission to tell the story until 10.30 p.m. the night before via text. So I'm like throwing together the screenshots, long story long, get up on stage, deliver this particular case study. I had not rehearsed it. I had not polished it. But because it was so authentically genuine to their specific problem, it crushed. It was like you could see all the heads nodding. You could see all of them seeing themselves in this guy's journey. And so my takeaway from that was... I think there's a fear around imperfection that holds us back from being authentic. But what I realized in that moment, and I've always known this, but it really hit home for me. It's better to be authentic and custom and specific and laser focused on who they really are, their authentic needs, and have it be maybe a little raw, a little rocky. You know, you you have a couple non-words and maybe the punchline's a little off and then have it be this beautifully perfect, polished, rehearsed, but the message is kind of that everything to everyone generic that you were talking about. You know, and I think it's, it's kind of this tricky balance to figure out the choices that we make, you know, how we dial it up or down. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I remember one time I did a presentation and I had a couple typos in it and I got called out on it big time. And I... It felt awful. I mean, I very hard on myself and I work every day to love myself a little bit more. And it was one of those times where I just finally had to say, you know what? You're only human. (laughs) You got kicked out of the spelling bee in sixth grade because you couldn't (laughs) spell the word guess. And your mother told you she would never buy you another pair of guess jeans again because (laughs) you can't spell the word guess. Anyway, I beat myself up so bad about that. And now it is my biggest fear that there is going to be a typo somewhere or I'm going to mess up. And then I finally just realized like, this is me. I'm only human. And this isn't a Broadway show where I have lines. Like everything that I speak comes directly from my heart. Mm. And sometimes I'm going to fumble on my words. Sometimes the story, I'm going to drop the punchline because... I'm just passionate about it and it just doesn't come out. I mean, there's times where I go to the airport, I actually don't listen to music. I don't listen to anything. I'm just sitting there thinking the whole time. And I'm like, holy smokes, I forgot to tell that story. 
And then you're like, damn it, I messed that up. But it's not a mistake. You know, my grandmother who wrote the note, Be Who You Came To Be, in my 20s, I was so down on my luck about something once. I felt just awful. I mean, I was completely train wrecked. I messed up big time. And I felt like the world's biggest failure. I have no clue what the failure was. But I remember what she said to me. She said, you know, Tara, it's only a mistake if it happens twice. The first time was Mm. just a lesson that you needed to learn. That's good. Isn't it good? And I do believe in failures. I mean, I've had a failed business. I've had things happen. But this idea of a mistake, a mistake is not a failure. A mistake is a learning lesson. It's like along the way, right? And we continue to to level up and get a better version of us every single time. But that's being mindful enough to say, hey, that was a little thing I needed to learn. I'm going to put that in my hip pocket, move forward versus beating myself up into submission to, to going backwards to then playing small and not giving my whole or over-practicing, which is nobody likes the over-practice speaker either because they just feel like they're not relating to them, that they're not speaking to them. And so it is a healthy balance. You know, my next book that I'm working on right now is called Perfectly Flawed. And I just believe that we are perfectly flawed. I mean, we are, you know, I have a a whole chapter in there about my family growing up, which was a quote unquote broken family. What an awful term Yeah, that someone made up, a broken family. Yeah, that's terrible. We were broken. Yeah. And I tell the story about how it was an awful time for our family. We, I was a middle schooler. I had a high school too. And another brother who was in middle school, high school. I mean, we got torn apart. We had to, we lived in a small town. So my mom ended up moving to another small town and I didn't live with my, my dad or my brothers through high school, but we had so much love still for each other. Like there was never an absence of love and it was a, a really weird time, but it wasn't a dark time per se. Mm-hmm. And so it was perfectly flawed family. You know, I said, or I, so the, the chapter is called happily ever after. I'm like, I guess we were happily ever after or just some effed up version of it. <laughs> <laughs> and I think, you, you know, you're married. Our, everyone's marriage is perfectly flawed. Our children are, our, I'm a perfectly flawed mother. I'm not perfection, but I am who I am. And I just try to, to give myself the space to make those mistakes so I can learn and get better. So I love that so much, Tara, and I cannot wait to read your next book. We'll have to have you back on the podcast when that comes out. So tell me about, you kind of alluded to it earlier and you said, I've had a hard time loving myself. I've had to work on being authentic, being supportive of who I am and who I'm becoming. I think we all have that I call her like the inner Regina George, the inner mean girl that is just brutal that you would never talk to your mother or your bestie or your sister like this, but we tell ourselves the worst, most false narratives that could possibly exist. How do you, or how have you found that you've been able to sort of interrupt that record or that same old tired story that just isn't real and isn't serving you, but that your brain wants to go to because it's comfortable and it's familiar. Have you found any techniques or mantras besides your grandmom, obviously, uh, that has helped you to get better at that in terms of your self-talk? Yeah. So if you haven't read the book, Positive Intelligence, I highly recommend it. I read this book first 10 years ago and it's really helped me a ton to the point where when I found out um, Shirzad Shamin, who created this entire concept, was onboarding people to become certified coaches and speakers on it. I was like, this is so for me. So I went and got certified in it. And the concept of this positive intelligence that we, one, we all have a judge and we are constantly judging ourselves, judging other people and judging circumstances. Mm. And so be mindful of 
judgment versus discernment. But the second part are these saboteurs that we have. And you can take this quick assessment online. Go find the positive intelligence page. Take the It's a free assessment. And it takes about five minutes. I actually had my son take it today because uh, we were talking about it. He was asking me all about what I was talking about. And um, so my two highest saboteurs are hyperachiever and pleaser. And so it's this hyperachiever in me that constantly beats myself up. You're not doing enough. You're not going fast enough. You should be, you know, looking at an Aaron King and saying, why aren't you doing more? Why look at Aaron? She she's doing this. You need to go do more, write the next book, do the next thing. And it's just this mountain that I try to climb until I found out about this positive intelligence. And that is recognizing that saboteur that, hey, I am not my thoughts. I have a lot of thoughts every day, but I am not my thoughts. Mm, and that's good. Recognizing those saboteurs that that is just a thought in my head that has been created from the time I was a, a child that I am not my thoughts and stop talking to yourself like that. Stop yeah. doing that. And so being this concept of mentally fit has been absolutely huge for me. And mm. as soon as I get dialed into that and it, the light comes on really fast now because I've just gotten really mindful of it and then how to get out of that thought has totally changed the way I show up, the way I talk to myself, um, the way I feel about myself and just being able to own it. You know, I mean, this is a, a kind of a silly story, but remember just recently I went to the gym and I am a girly girl. Like I love makeup. I love getting my hair done. And I just like putting a little bit of makeup on every day. That's just who I am. And I love it. And I walked in and this woman goes, God, why do you have makeup on? And I was like, you know why? Because I like it. And I just wanted to feel great before I came in for this workout. And I just walked in and I went on the treadmill. Now there was a time where I would have overthought putting on makeup every day for the next month in the morning because wow. someone's going to judge me. Why? You really why would I show up like that? That's so shocking. Why do you have makeup on? Oh, I actually also had a business coach once who I had posted a picture of me with lipstick on Instagram and how my lipstick perfectly matched my sweater. And I knew it was going to be a banner day. And he was like, are we going to talk about content? Or are you going to focus on your lipstick? And I was just like, are you kidding me? Now, at that point in time in my career, I was new to the speaking industry. It rattled me mm. because I thought, okay, Tara, you, you've always shared on social fashion, clothing, cooking, lipstick, all those things. I am a girly girl. Although I was raised by a pack of men, I am a very girly girl. And so I was suddenly like, oh my God, you can't be that person because you will never be respected in the corporate and speaking world if you're on talking about the best technique to fluff up your brows and watercolor your eyes with eyeliner. And then I finally was just like, oh, your message is be who you came to be. Walk the walk. Yeah. And if someone is offended by you talking about lipstick on your Instagram, they are not your audience. What I love about these anecdotes is anyone that's listening, it's so helpful to peel back the journey that took you from the gal who that would have knocked you off your horse for a month obsessing over makeup, or that would have knocked you off your horse. Like I can't post about the things that I'm passionate about that bring me joy because of perception. And the fact that you are reprogramming, you have reprogrammed your mind didn't happen by accident. You didn't just wake up one day and you 
you were resiliently, perfectly authentic, and yet now you're the motivational speaker and you figured out life and and that's just how it happened. No, like it, it's a daily practice. It's showing up. It's being aware of that self-talk. It's changing that language, being intentional around the messages you're telling yourself, honoring your truth, even in spite of these small little everyday encounters of a hater reacting to you because she didn't feel pretty that morning or she didn't feel lovely. And so she tried to steal your joy to try to put some in her bucket from yours. And it's classic. It's Taylor's oldest time. But the takeaway I want our listeners to hear is that what Tara is sharing with us are methods that you don't just hear it once in a podcast and now you're, you're perfectly being who you came to be. It's a real commitment to everyday small moments of authenticity testers, of facing down those saboteurs, of getting back up, whether it's the gal at the gym or the coach or the person with the passive aggressive comments at the office or even someone in your own dang family. You are the only one that can make the decision that even just for that day, to rewrite the narrative, to tell a different story. And over time, it compounds. And, and you're living proof of that. And I like to think I'm a student of it as well. And, and we are far from perfect. And we sure are proud of the gal that we are today versus the gal we were five or 10 years ago. And that can be true for anyone. You know what? This saying is really true. It's not me. It's you. Like, yeah. If you're offended that I wore lipstick to the gym, that says nothing about me. Why, why do you give a shit that I have on lipstick? And then the audacity to say it. The thing is though, everybody's fighting battles. Everybody has something going on. And this woman who said this to me, you know, maybe she's in a marriage where her husband gives her no love, no no joy. Um, She doesn't feel pretty. She doesn't feel confident. And she took it all out on me that day at the gym. And, And the fact that I didn't come back at her with anger. And instead I just said, cause I like it. That's why. And maybe you empowered her. You know, when she did go home and her husband or her kids or whoever, she might have said, you know what? I'm going to throw on some lips and I'm going to look in the mirror and give myself a little wink and a little spring in my step. And gosh, what a bitch I was to that gal at the gym. But thank goodness that she modeled it so that I can be what I saw and have a better day tomorrow. I mean, you just never know how that can compound and how it can be contagious in the best possible way. And I've seen you in a room. We went into one room, different client, not the roadshow, different client but it was kind of low vibe and we were on the ticket together and you just walked in and you modeled exactly what you were talking about and you could feel it. You could feel the difference in the room, in the way the gals kind of sat up and rolled their shoulders back. So it's so powerful. I cannot wait for everyone to read this book and your new book and listen to your podcast and follow you on Instagram because I'm a super fan and I just think that you are fantastic. So thank you for being here today. I appreciate you. I got to tell you one more thing before we go. My mom and I actually just released a children's book. It's going on my website this week. And it's a great book to help our little ones, the children. And it's called Be Who You Came To Be, B-E-E. And it's about a little bee named Phoebe who is trying to discover what type of bee she is. And she goes on this little journey and, you know, she just doesn't fit in and it's not for her. And there's this little secret path of self-discovery that helps, that goes along the way. And... You know, this was one of those bucket list butterfly goals that my mother always had. She always wanted to be a published author. And so to get to do this with her was really special. But, you know, this Be Who You Came To Be, because it was written for my son, I always wanted to write it as a children's book. And so I think the more love we show youth and our children, then the easier it's going to be for them to grow up and honor their own authenticity because it really does start with us. So I'm really excited about that. And I hope it touches a lot of little, little lives. You know, there's nothing sweeter than reading a book with a, a kid. So 
Oh, well, I love that so much. We're going to link to that in the show notes as well so that mamas, dads, caregivers, siblings can pick that up and, and give it a read because those are the kinds of books that I sure wish we had more of when we were growing up in the 80s. We could have used a little more of that, a yeah. little less little less Disney princess, Prince Comes to Save You Happily Ever After narratives and a little more of like be the bee you want to be. So I can't wait. Tara, you rock. I can't wait to see you live in Orlando in a couple of weeks. And thank you for sharing yourself with our success community. Oh, thanks for having me. You are amazing. And I love you right back. Love you, girl. See you soon. Well, friends, what did I tell you? Tara brought the fire, her amazing storytelling, and you can get more of Tara, her videos, her speaking, her merch. She has amazing jewelry, books, podcasts, all the things at Tara Renzi, T-A-R-A-R-E-N-Z-E.com. Till next time, friends, I will see you soon.